Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Father Bouquet, our president. Welcome, Father. Always a blessing to be with you, Colleen. It's great to be here today with you, Father. And we're going to be talking about classical education because you wrote your recent Spirit and Life on this. And why did you do that? Like, what motivated you to want to talk about classical education on the blog? Well, I think it's just getting responses from parents. You know, parents are just wondering what to do in this current culture. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, parents are being bombarded from every direction, you know, not just in in the education field. I mean, from healthcare to social media, you know, every place uh, that, that, you know, from every situation around them, parents are being bombarded by these these assaults on you know their rights and their responsibilities toward the education and formation uh, of their children. So I, I kind of you know listening to the responses and saying, okay, what what is our response to that? How does classical education? How is that a response to what parents are being bombarded with? I would just summarize classical education. I know we can speak of from many different angles. I mean, mm-hmm. from the great books, you know, to you know some of the great authors and theology and so forth, and all that's part of the classical education. Mm-hmm. But I would summarize it simply: it starts with the human person. It starts with the dignity of that person and the fact that each person made in the image and likeness of God is the starting point of Mm -hmm. the formation and education of catechesis. Every aspect of our approach toward that person begins with their human dignity. How is that different than other forms of education? Because unfortunately, our secular education and our conventional education systems no longer start with that premise. It starts with a fad, an ide- uh, their own kind of uh, their own ideological approach and the propagandization of, of kids today. So they like start with an idea that they're like these people need to sure. learn instead of being like how can I form right. a person basically. Right. I mean, if you look at you know some of the things I mentioned in the article, uh, it talks about statistics. You know, current you know things that we're seeing. You know, of, of uh, what we're finding with children's education. Not only are they they're lacking in math, arithmetic, and reading, and spelling, and the various academic aspects, mm-hmm. but their ability to to reason, their ability to have a logical conversation, to give a rational argument, is again just lacking because their their lack of reading, their lack of knowledge, their lack of understanding. Because what happens is is everything now has become affirming a particular ideology, affirming a particular sentiment. You know what you feel like. This becomes your kind Don't of your question the narrative. Right, right exactly. <laughs> so what I love about you know classical education and what Catholic Catholic edu- classical education is about mm-hmm. is really starting with helping this soul reach eternal life. Yeah. And that's the starting point. And so this is where parents really begin too, because remember as we've had in our uh, different podcasts talking about marriage, that children are the fruit of this wonderful welcoming of life mm-hmm. and the welcome and the fruit of their love but it's part of the procreative aspect, the education and formation of the child. So when a parent welcomes a child, part of that is their formation, but formation not just in earthly affairs, important as that is, mm-hmm. learning what's hot from cold, learning not to go through a red light, practical things, absolutely. Yeah. But ultimately the role of the parent is to help their child reach eternal life. And so it's really a great starting point. How does math play into that? Like, okay, if you're giving like kids tools for like reaching eternal life, but we're also talking about needing reading, writing, and arithmetic. Like, right. obviously you could be like, oh, you have to read the- theological books, or you have to be able right. to like write well, but like, how would you fit math into that? Well, you're forming the whole person. You're forming them in, uh, in really, in an understanding of how to live human life. For example, if a person doesn't know how to, what one plus one <laughs> is, it would be very difficult to live. Uh, and the ability to write, the ability to, to spell, the ability to do, you know, just basic human skills that mm-hmm. every person really needs to really function in 
in this world to be an, a citizen of the world. I guess math also teaches you like critical thinking and logic and stuff like that too. Absolutely. You need to be able to look at something and be like, okay, let me reason my way through this to be able to figure out something concrete. Well, just recently I was watching a program, important. Colleen, and I love I love to watch how things are built. It's one of my mm -hmm. fascinations, and I guess it's just my my uh, just a love of things, how things function, which goes really to classical education. How does a thing work? Why does it work that way? Yeah. It's our understanding of the heavens, the astronomy, it's our understanding of chemistry and basic mm -hmm. minerals, and you know. But there was a program uh, of taking down an old classical car, and he showed you know, chemistry at work on rebuilding the bumper, a chrome metal bumper. If you didn't know basic chemistry, you could damage this this bumper. Mm -hmm. And I don't go into all the detail, but <laughs> just so when people say, well, where in the world am I gonna use trigonometry? Where yeah. in the world am I gonna use geometry? Trust me, it applies in daily life, in on particular area of skill, or maybe yeah. an area of, of profession. But we do use these. And like you said, more importantly, helps me to think helps me to reason, helps me to put a logical conversation and an argument together, yeah. which is what classic Catholic uh, formation does, because mm -hmm. it starts with a human person. And also the fact that the human person is not just a, a, an individual passing through this world to eternal life. This person is called to be a participant in the great work of salvation, a person who's called to be an active member of the body of Christ and to contribute to the common good so mm -hmm. that mindset is very important in this kind of conversation. It's a good distinction to make because I think it's really easy to be like, oh, we're just passing through here, just trying to get to heaven. Like, and obviously you are trying to stay on the straight and narrow and like, but you also need to be able to engage with the world and be able to like relate to people around you. And you're not just called to like ignore everybody, just like beeline to heaven. You have to, you're called to get to heaven by interacting with people and living in the world, but not of it. Well, you know, again, classical uh, education also forms the person. So here we, we're returning back to virtue. And, yeah. and, and so, which goes to what you just said. So it's, mm -hmm. how do I model to the world what it is to be a virtuous person, a righteous person, a just and honorable person? Mm -hmm. You know, so by reading the great writings, the great books, and reading the great philosophers and the great theologians, and, and just reading really not only stretches the mind for vocabulary. Mm -hmm. This is something I think that is very lacking today. Many people don't read. Yeah. And as a result, their vocabulary, their knowledge of things is so lacking. But just picking up a book introduces you not only to the thought of the book or the, the subject of the book, but mm -hmm. also to, to the language and how things are structured, how, a, how an argument is made, but vocabulary, how to structure a sentence. And, and so reading is vital. Reading is so important. And I, this is kind of slightly tangential, but I've always thought it was interesting that I've heard of the best way to like teach like a child when you're teaching them to read is always giving them books just slightly outside of their level because then they're forced they have to work for it a little bit like it's they have the ability to do it but they're going to be constantly learning new language that way if they're stuck in like I'm comfortable with like this level reading book then they're not learning any new vocabulary they're not being challenged at all so giving them that little bit extra and it's also interesting because I grew up um there was like a like the general guide in our house was that I was allowed to read books written before 1960. And if they were written after 1960, I had to like kind of make sure that they didn't have anything bad in them, which looking back on books like The Great Gatsby, maybe I didn't read it till high school, which was good. But right. anyway, I grew up reading a lot of older books, like turn of the century, 1900s, mm -hmm. Anne of Green Gables, Little Women kind of books. And there is a distinct difference in books that were written back then and books that are written now. Mm -hmm. And I think it changed with the advent of television that books written now are more visual. Like they're just easy to read. They're a lot of candy. And even like quote unquote candy books from like the early 1900s that weren't 
any kind of great literature, they still challenge you to read and they have vocabulary in such a way that there's you feel like you're getting something out of it. And it was just something that I've personally noticed in like mm-hmm. the reading that I've done. And I think that introducing kids to books where it's like you're going to challenge them, you're going to give them new words, you're going to help them be able to think in a way that they wouldn't be doing just by watching television. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's it's important, too. You know, when you read uh, G.K. Chesterton, when you read C.S. Lewis, when you mm-hmm. read, you know, any of the great writers today, like Joseph Pfeiffer, and you read, uh, you know... Uh, oh, I love Joseph Pfeiffer. Uh, yeah, yeah, He's great. Yeah. Sorry if I mispronounced his name. <laughs> yeah, it, when, you, when, you, when you read, and, and it really, it, it does... Because even for myself, you know, all these years of formation, education, just by stretching the heart, stretching the mind, mm-hmm. you know, reading something uh, that makes me pause. I mean, there are some books, you know, that I return to, you know, because uh, I really didn't grasp maybe that, that chapter. I want to go back and read that chapter. So it, what I like about, uh, you know, uh, just to finish that little thought and then just toss it back, but it's like when you think of um, uh, the with parents, back to parents, what I always loved about classical education, you know, and have been part of it, you know, in my in these 30 years of priestly life and encouraging, you know, classical education was the fact that it, it engages parents. So it's How does that do meaning that? is that we would in, not only encourage the child or the student or the young adolescent, young adult to read, but the parent to read it, you know, to pick up the same book, you know, and have a discussion with your children, you know, because sometimes what happens is parents want to kind of just pass on the educational formational aspect to someone else. Mm -hmm. And the church makes it clear that the primary educator of a child is the parent. And so the parent doesn't have to be, and this is, I think, sometimes deters people from homeschooling or maybe becoming more engaged. They think they are incapable. They maybe don't think they have enough of an education to help their children to a certain degree. And let's be honest, some things, yeah, I mean, even if you went to college, even if you got a degree, a master's degree, some of the things that children are learning today in school, especially in math and science, chemistry, you know, physics, yeah, are, are things of... that we ourselves didn't study, yeah. per se. So, yeah, some things, but reading a good book together and then sitting down with the child and discussing the book mm-hmm. what did you get for the chapter today you know it engages a conversation too so when you're talking about classical education are you talking about classical schools are you talking about homeschooling because it seems like the parents can be more involved if you're doing something like homeschooling where they have to be able to like talk to the child about the book and things like that and it's not just oh, I'm sending my child off to a classical school and somebody else deals with their education. Like, you seem to be against that idea. So what are you talking about with the classical (laughs) education and the role of parents here? Both and. Okay. Because it doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, because, for example, in some homeschool uh, uh, curricula where uh, at a certain age, then the children now partner with other parents Mm -hmm. and they form like a little co-op. Yeah. You know, and they bring a teacher in you know, that's more properly trained in that particular discipline. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on where, where they are and what environment they're in. What I mean by that is what community. They may have less access to those resources in rural communities. Mm-hmm. I believe in both because it starts with the parent. The parent is the one responsible, and the parent is never to give their, their responsibility to anyone else. And they are to make sure that whatever the child is being uh, introduced to reading material, what's being discussed in the classroom, you know, whether that be in homeschool, whether Mm -hmm. that be in a co-op system, whether that be in a classical, you know, G.K. Chesterton Academy, wherever it is, the parent is still the primary educator here. And that's what's important. So a a parent knows their child. Mm -hmm. So in some situations, you know, having worked in homeschool environments and encouraged homeschools, having worked in a Montessori system, having worked in the curriculum of a conventional school system, Mm -hmm. they all have something to give. But what I always have loved about Catholic 
classical education. Mm -hmm. And I would say, unfortunately, many of our Catholic schools have lost this approach, Mm -hmm. which I have seen a resurgence now, a returning to, because I'm seeing more classical Catholic schools open, which is a great thing, because they see something that's not happening. And that is goes back to what we started with with your first question. It starts when we look at the human person. We're forming a person. And I think that also comes down to the parents, too, because sometimes like you might have one child that is going to thrive in a Montessori environment and you have another child that's going to do better homeschooling and a third child who actually is better in like a traditionally structured school, like classical, but more like the sit and desks and listen. And it's just like it comes down to the parent too, being able to have that flexibility to be able to look at each child and say, okay, what's actually best for this individual, not what general idea do I want for all my kids to go through? And not like there's anything bad about having that kind of plan of like, I think this is the best form of education, but having the humility to be able to look and be like, okay, is this form of education working well for this child? And how can I help them succeed? If they need a co-op, do they need something else to supplement it? And I think, you know, it's just parents, like I said, we begun with parents are bombarded from every direction because even sending your child to the doctor, I mean, say sending, you're bringing your child to the doctor. You know, uh, it could be that you sent your adolescent, you know, they drive, you know. Uh, but the idea is, is that you can't trust things because the influence today is so strong from that non-human person dignity approach. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, your children are being introduced to mindsets, to frameworks, to approaches. Social media is a huge influence. And I, I return to this because this is what brings people to classical Catholic education. Social media? Well, no, what I mean is all these things they're bombarded with. Oh, okay. You know, they're, they're looking at, you know, how do I respond to that? I don't want my child in that particular environment. I don't want my child influenced by that particular thought. Mm-hmm. So it brings parents to this kind of conversation of what you just mentioned. You know, do I homeschool my children? Do I get involved in a homeschool co-op kind of approach? You know, mm-hmm. here in the Front Row community, we have actually quite a few variations so many of homeschooling options, which are beautiful because, again, it returns it back to the parent and yeah. to the individuality and uniqueness of the child. Mm-hmm. And that what will really work for this child, what will make their gifts and abilities shine? Where will they grow? Where will they mature? So it's very good. I love the fact of how you approached it because it really does put the onus on the one that is responsible. Mm -hmm. And that is mom and dad. And that might involve some kind of sacrifice too, where you have two children going to two different schools. And unfortunately, it's like, okay, drop off, might be a little crazy in the morning or something like that. But if you're making sure that each child has the education that's going to be helping best form them as a person, right. you're really doing. And not, that's not always an option, but like doing the best right. you can. And financially it's difficult. That's yeah, what exactly. His, many parents that are going to be listening, you know, are, are not in the ability to homeschool. They mm-hmm. don't have the ability to be part of a co-op or mm-hmm. even part of a, of a Catholic school system, you mm-hmm. know, much less a classical uh, academy because it can be very expensive. So how should they incorporate these kind of ideas we're talking about if they can't necessarily afford to send right. their children to that? So I would approach this from two points. One, I think that the, the challenge would be out there, first of all, to our Catholic systems. Mm-hmm. And that is we need to really pause and re- revisit what is the purpose of Catholic education. Well, Dr. Pat Fagan was actually talking on our podcast and he was on about how school vouchers is like something a government could really do to help so, and it just kind of goes to the same Agreed. thing of like allowing parents to have that flexibility. Exactly. So, I anyway, agree. Yeah. And I agree with that. And I think it's just, it's just that, but also from the Catholic church perspective, I mean, we don't have time to go through the history of Catholic education. And of course, in many generations, you know, we were very blessed because the religious communities, 
recognized their vocations and their and and lived out those vocations in education, mm-hmm. sacrificing you know so much to be educators, you know, and and so we've those now have become less and less, and as a result, you know. Many things have influenced our approach toward Catholic education, and it's got to be very expensive. And yeah. so many parents are not as fortunate to be able to place their child or children in a Catholic system, and so uh, and to be assisted in the formation of uh, of their child or children. And I, I would, and the reason why I start with that is because I really would like to call upon those who make these kinds of decisions. We need to look at ways of bringing costs down opening the doors more to more families to be able to have access to good, solid, Catholic, classical education and not make it where it's only for a certain segment that it can afford it. Mm-hmm. So with that said, let's return to your, your question. So yeah. let's say I don't have that ability. My, my, if I were married, my wife and I are not capable of affording a Catholic education or a private education, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a homeschool environment either. So what do we do in a public system? Well, here again, it's going to take a lot more responsibility because the parent now has to take the lead, mm-hmm. always has the lead, but here really has to take the lead because I don't encourage it at all. Actually, if you could remove your children from the public system, I'm an advocate for doing so. Right now, the way the system is and the way of this uh, affirming environment that they're in, it's a dangerous place for children, very dangerous. At the same time, many don't have the ability to do what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? First of all, the church needs to help parents who are in those kinds of situations. Mm help them to help their children. Two is parents need to be on guard a bit with their children. As I said earlier, what they're reading, what they're hearing, who's influencing them, what are they saying in the classroom, what materials are they getting. Take ownership of it and fight the good fight. Get into the system, not to my child, you're not doing that. And it's going to take up, and we and we see that's the battleground right now. Mm-hmm. It seems like they could also add supplemental things into that as well, instead of just being like, oh, now I know what my child's reading, being like, okay, let's read this good book. Right. Let's read this like right. introducing these ideas and talking, like helping them age appropriately, learn about things like philosophy and literature and history in a way Correct. that they might not be getting in the public school system as well. Agreed. And again, that we're back to the parent. Yeah. Taking that 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 leadership role, that modeling, and and it's not easy because let's be honest, the the, the child or the student is in school for six, seven, eight hours a day, and yeah. parents home working or working outside the home. They come home and they only have that little short window. So who's really having the greater influence? Yeah. So so you're right, Colleen, that yes, that is what needs to mm-hmm. happen. But in many cases, what happens is that doesn't happen. <laughs> and and so that's why, you know, if I could encourage more parents to look at other ways of... of so, I, for example, um, I know that uh, in many dioceses, my own diocese as well, back in Louisiana, I just learned of a new academy, Trinity Academy, mm-hmm. that was just uh, opened. Very small uh, group of students for the first year, but that's okay. That's how things build. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know the people who found, founded the school. I remember them when they were in school. And so, and did you so, work in a school then? I've, I, my last parish was with uh, school. My first assignments with with schools okay. teaching. So you oh, had yeah. a lot of experience. Yeah, in this it's, kind of field. I love it. I mean, education to me is, is vital. That's why I guess I'm here in this <laughs> apostolate, which is based in education. But it's to me, it's uh, I, I like the way that you approached it. Let's not look at the negative. You know, sometimes you know, in talking about the things that we're dealing with, we can say, okay, we're reacting to, mm-hmm. and yes, that's true. But let's look at the positive, and that is, let's return back to what is my role as a parent. When a husband or wife, when they married each other, and they said, we marry each other, and we're open to the gift of life, 
So part of that is the formation education of their children, as we mentioned earlier. So that means I need to put that forefront in, 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 the, in our responsibility. So we need to be thinking of how are we going to do that. And that's what I mean by the church coming in, mm-hmm. because to, to our, our catechesis, so our CCD, our <laughs> programs, our yeah. Catholic school programs, you know, how are we helping parents form their children? Going back to like how you define classical education then, can you, for our listeners, just give some details of like what that actually, like you said it centers on the human person, but that's also like kind of vague in general. And so for people that may not be familiar with any kind of classical education, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Like what kind of like people you read or what books you're reading or right. what things you're learning, like the, music, art, sure. history? The, the, the last uh, school I was in, one of the things we did by, because great books can mean many things. Many people yeah. speak of the great books and there are, some people have a very clear mindset of what those great books are. So mm-hmm. from Plato and Aristotle and, you know, reading some of uh, the great writers of Greece and Rome, all very true. Iliad, Odyssey. Exactly. Very Iliad. beautiful. And reading St. Augustine, reading St. Thomas, you know, getting it, especially as you start aging. But the one thing we did, because we're forming a person to be a virtuous person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, G.K. Chesterton, exactly, you know, in the article I go into a little detail about, you know, this was very important to him. And the academies in G.K. Chester and academies really pick up the sense of virtue. Mm-hmm. You're really building, a, 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 you're dealing with the most precious gift mm-hmm. and you're helping to fortify that gift, which is a human person. So what we did was introduced books on the saints. Okay. It was a way to introduce children, even from kindergarten, you know, who were not able to read completely as of yet, but can read. But you would read to them, and you would talk to them about the saints. And you start building the vocabulary and the and the complexity of the book as you got into the age groups. And then when you moved into the high school level is where you really dove in, you know, to reading more uh, content, depth, you know, stretching their minds, making them uh, have, you know, uh, uh, debates in a sense of, you know, tell me what the chapter was about, you know, so philosophical books, you know, mm-hmm. reading philosophy, you know, reading, you know, what did Th- St. Thomas say? What does St. Thomas say about sin? You know, what does St. Thomas say about virtue? What is a discipline, you know? It's so funny because the Summa Theologica is actually like super approachable. Yes. I was very surprised about that in college because you think Thomas Aquinas is going to be very hard to read. And he's, it's very, very, very dense. But it's so logical. Everything that he's saying is important. And he right. goes through, like, here's potential objections. And here's what some, like, authority right. says. And here's the answer. And here's how you respond to the objections. And I just, like, I loved how laid out it was and how logical it was and how it was short and bite-sized. It just was very, very dense. You know, there's a lot to unpack in there. It is. And in, in, in reading history, you know, in yeah. reading what authentic history, this is very important here, is in reading what history is there. What does history teach us? Mm -hmm. So that's why reading ancient history, reading about the spread of Western civilization, you know, looking at the Renaissance, looking at medieval periods. You know, one article I just released this uh, recently is talking about, you know, culture and the cultists and, you know, an understanding of that word, which I know we'll come back to later (laughs) on. But it really, if you look at at the medieval period, you know, this is, it goes back to forming a person, mm-hmm. you know, for the Catholic in that period where life centered around the monastery or an educational center or around the cathedral, you know, mm-hmm. life really centered around mass, divine office, you know, prayer, the, the ringing of the bells throughout the day. You know, there was a, there really was an environment, a, a culture mm-hmm. of worship, but it began always with the human person. And in a way, that's what classical education does. It, 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 it identifies the source of this of approachment and also what is the desired outcome of that approach. And it seems like it's forming a person in virtue 
and then giving them the history so they know the context of where they came from and where they're going and right. what mistakes have been made in history and what good things have happened in history. Because people right. say if you don't learn history, you repeat it. And then I've also heard it like paraphrased, like if you don't learn history, you repeat all the bad stuff. Right. And so being able to place yourself in that historical context and then have the philosophies that are driving, like philosophy helps you understand the Catholic faith so much more because right. you're understanding these lines of thought and you're understanding the human person and what the human person needs. And it's also a great evangelical tool because philosophy is rooted in human reason. Right. So sometimes it's a lot easier to connect with someone for human reason instead right. of just being like, but the Bible says this. Right. If you can help someone who doesn't believe in the Bible to or believe in God to understand something through human reason, you can kind of work them up to that mm -hmm. point. And then obviously giving all the theological richness as well. It's exactly. really just centering this person in like where they are in history with all of these lines of thought and giving them like the to be able to know their faith is real and right. true and has logical like, I was actually talking with a friend literally last night, and she was saying that Catholics shouldn't be afraid to, like, not in a sense, like, I don't want to say question the faith, but basically she said truth will always reveal itself. And mm -hmm. so, like, the Catholic faith is true, and so there is a reason for things, and it's, like, learn about your faith, learn why something's true. Don't just say, oh, well, it's true, so I don't need to know anything about it. Like, be able to debate with people about it, because, like truth is true and it will reveal itself and it aligns with who we are as people. Well, we're always, you know, approaching things from the good, the true, and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, and to me, it's, it's in a sense of when with classical education, especially Catholic, Catholic classical education, is you're, you're literally placing the child within the library, you know, of, of the world. In a sense mm -hmm. of you're, you're approaching this wonderful gift, this precious person, and you're placing them in the heart of a library where there's access to, to the ancient writers, to the philosophical thought, to the philosophy that shaped the mind and heart of Western civilization, to the great history that shaped Western civilization, to the theology, the doctrine, the principles of Catholic teaching. I mean, you just really, you're, you're planting them. Now, mm -hmm. think of where the world plants wants to plant the person. Mm -hmm. It plants the person in what we call today relativism, you know, mm -hmm. where basically it's based in sentiment, what one feels, what, the fad of the day, the ideology of the moment. Um, there's no root in that, you know, mm -hmm. because it's an arbitrary moment. It's always changing. It moves with the wind. But by, by, by sitting a child within the heart of a true classical education, you're giving them stability. You're giving them a foundation. You're giving them a root upon which to build mm -hmm. and an understanding upon which to approach, and as you said very beautifully, how to move forward mm -hmm. and also how to approach the dilemmas of our modern day mm -hmm. because it really is repetitive. We, it, it is, it, the situations may be you know, different, but basically the, how we approach things has mm -hmm. remained constant. And it teaches you critical thinking and discernment. And then also, I don't, I do not like modern philosophy or recent philosophy. It's just, I had a very hard time in those classes. I did not like them because I'm like, this isn't true. What's the point of learning it? But it is true that when you do end up, once you kind of understand what truth is and you're used to philosophy and thinking of ideas that way, when you do study like modern and recent philosophy, you can understand why our world is the way it is. You can understand like, oh, this is being driven by like a Cartesian like idea of thought, or this is this philosopher's thought who's influencing it. And I had a professor in college talk about why some Christian movies just don't ring true. People just will be like, oh, I don't like Christian movies. And he's like, because a lot of times they're based on the Protestant idea of salvation, that you do one good thing and you're saved. Right. Versus a lot of Catholic literature is based on what resonates with people, which is like you go three steps forward and then you mess up and you go two steps back and there's a constant struggle. And I thought it was just so interesting that like just the philosophy of the religions that are making different pieces of art are going to 
affect how much truly they ring with people and how well they are how like well they're able to evangelize people. Yeah, and and, and I think, and know, I'm not saying Christian movies are always bad either. I'm right, just saying right. that sometimes people look at them and they're like, it's cheesy. Right. And it's it's it was just like he was pointing out that the driving philosophy sure, is different. Sure. And and, and it, well, you know, it's always good is that you know again, and if I just may return to some of the you know one of your questions earlier too was in the sense of the of the academic, you know, so we remember that we're also forming holy citizens of this of this world too. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, you know, and so that's why we look at the total person because, you know, in a sense of just what you were speaking about is how do we help a person to be a contributor to the common good? Mm-hmm. How do we help someone to understand those basic skills? So, you know, and how do we help a person to know the modern philosophy that is mm-hmm. out there? How do we approach, you know, the debates of the modern world today? How do we deal with, so for example, you know, in uh, one of the, uh, working toward the degree in bioethics, you know, was looking at court cases and, yeah. and reading them, studying them. So for example, reading the Dobbs case right now mm-hmm. would be something good for someone to, in, 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 uh, in college and in grad school, to study. Because now you understand arguments, mm-hmm. approaches, you know, law, uh, philosophy comes to bear. And yes, even theology is... In there, you'll you'll see different arguments, especially if you were to read, you know, the the the, the court's decision. Mm-hmm. You will see without them quoting, you know, directly, but it's there. The because because the truth is there, as you said earlier. Yeah. Science supports the church, and the church's teaching is always in line with authentic science. Mm-hmm. And so it's the understanding that this is what we want to form mm-hmm. the, the person in, as we are entrusted with their education. It's and so rich. It's, it, it's, and that's the great word. It's a great word, Colleen, because it's it's not impoverished. The, the mindset of the world is impoverishment. And it's sad because it only looks at the human person as a biological entity, you know, whereas we do not approach and that immerse from that perspective at all. So oh. I think that, you know, as we as we look at this subject, it's so how do we encourage parents, mm-hmm. you know, that are maybe in a situation where they cannot you know, at this, at this moment of time, mm-hmm. look at a homeschool environment or, a, or maybe a way of, of a co-op or a formal, you know, uh, school like a, a GKHS or an academy or like mm-hmm. the one back in my home state of Trinity Academy because it's, it's too expensive in this moment. Mm-hmm. So we need to walk with parents in that and help them, you know, uh, to, to, to be able to live out their role and their mm-hmm. duty. But I would say to the parents who are listening is you need to be attentive. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. And then as parishes, those of us who are in parish ministry, myself, not in that currently, dioceses, what are we doing to help parents in all those situations? Mm-hmm. No matter what situation they're in, an environment they're teaching, we need to be there with them, sojourning with them, supporting them, encouraging them, helping them, answering questions, giving them resources to be able to read. And I would say, you know, um, in those who are in Catholic education, to reevaluate their curricula. Mm-hmm. Are we really giving them access you know, to the great books and the mm-hmm. great uh, great writers of, 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 of the ages. Well, and also there's an essay called, I don't remember the name of it. I'm going to super paraphrase this and I don't actually remember. I think I remember who wrote it, but I could be wrong. It's about on the thousand good books. And I want to say it's by John Senior, but I could be wrong. I read it in philosophy of education class in college. And I know we read an essay by John Senior. And I think it was this one, but it might not have been. So if I, if it's not, if it's by someone else, I apologize that I forgot who this is by. But his idea was basically that we talk about the hundred great books. Right. And yes, we do need to be able to read them. But in order to access the hundred great books, the Iliad, the Odyssey, Crime and Punishment, 
Children need to be raised on the thousand good books. The Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, Anne of Green Gables, these kind of books that you wouldn't necessarily call great literature, but it's that stepping stone. It's lifting them up. It's giving them that environment that they are actually able to understand and approach and really get to the great books because you can't go from zero to a hundred. You have to be guided along the way. And I absolutely loved that because there's so many good children's books out there that you wouldn't call necessarily great literature, but they are a guiding along that path. They're like the candles lighting the path to be able to access those great books. So at this moment, of course, you know, uh, we can't put into uh, uh, to give a big list, but this is where I think it would be good for people like ourselves and others working in support of family and life. We mm-hmm. need to make these kind of things, these resources available. I mean, a, a bibliography, a listing, you know, so those, you know, who may be listening who are working specifically in apostolic ministry in parishes and dioceses, what you just said, Colleen, is a good example. Mm-hmm. Are we giving these kinds of resources? You know, in the parish bulletin, you know, could there be a moment where the priest could list a couple of good books for families to read? Well, and the essay also got into, like, I'm going to totally paraphrase this whole thing, but he was talking about how we shouldn't be afraid of it sometimes. He was like, sometimes with English literature, like, you need to give your kids the literature of their culture. And because we speak English, we're in an English culture. Sometimes they're going to be they're going to have anti-Catholic elements because they're written by Protestants. And he's like, mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for discussion. You don't need to be afraid to right. give your kids books where the Jesuit might not be portrayed super well because it's an opportunity for discussion. Like, right. don't be afraid of things because they might have other influences, right. like not necessarily right. ta- like really, really bad, perverse stuff, but just being able to engage in those kind of conversations. You, you too. Make, but you're making me think because you see. We have a formal place where we can go for classical education, a, mm-hmm. a building a school outside of my home. Yeah. But in reality, the first classical education is in the house. Yeah. And you just gave a great example of that. And that is, you know, and that's what I mean by reading. You know, it's not just for the, the student, the child, mm-hmm. but also for the parents to read. You know, and right now, sadly, what governs so many of our home environments is mm-hmm. television, internet, yeah. you know, the, the social media world. And not everything is bad out there. Okay, mm-hmm. we understand that. But at the same time, turn it off. Read a good book. Read it as a family. Yeah. You know, introduce it into the family. Have a discussion. And like you just said, a parent should never be afraid of the curiosity of a child mm-hmm. and a student who really is trying to understand. And we should never uh, diminish their questions by just saying, well, that's just what we believe and that's done. Mm-hmm. No, being able to enter into a discussion on it, explain it, talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. give it some flesh, you know, help it to to be applied. And, and I think that applies to everything, mm-hmm. you know. So, but uh, again... I go back to what we started with. Mm-hmm. If I have a, if I don't approach as a, as a parent, if I don't approach as a priest, if I don't approach as an educator, mm-hmm. the vocation that we're talking about here, mm-hmm. and that is we're dealing with the pinnacle of creation. We're dealing with the most unique of all of creation, the individual who is in, made in the image and likeness of the creator who is made and destined to love and to serve and to be with God into eternal life, the supreme good to possess. That's what we're dealing with, not what who we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And that is the approach here. And we shouldn't see education as something outside, something away from, something that someone else does. Mm-hmm. No, it's our responsibility, particularly parents' responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, as a continuation of their openness and welcoming of life, the education of their children, and to lead their children by modeling to them. So that classical formation education begins under their own roof. 
mm-hmm. the little domestic church. This is where it starts and where it can be supplemented, it can be assisted, all right? Absolutely ne- necessary. And this is where the role of the public education came in, all right, to help. Unfortunately, it's been twisted and turned, but it doesn't mean that we should not be seeking those goods and mm-hmm. education and formation. It's interesting because when Father Diodano was on the podcast back in, I don't I think it was released in June, he was talking about the difference between ideology and truth. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that truth is when you look at reality and you try to understand reality. Tried. Ideology is when you try to, imp- and like you try to take reality and put like understand those ideas in your mind. Ideology is when you take ideas in your mind and you try to impose them on reality. And I just thought that was so interesting. I feel like a lot of like more secular education can sometimes be based on the ideology of like, okay, we're going to impose this, not necessarily for math and science, because there are some like concrete ideas, but when it comes to like the gender stuff creeping into schools and all of that, it's trying to take an idea that they want to promote and imposing it on reality versus classical education is trying to enrich children by giving them truth and helping them see reality more clearly. Exactly. seeing the beauty and the truth and the goodness in all of creation. Exactly, exactly. Which is, you know, faith seeking understanding. Yeah. All right? Definition of theology, a science. <laughs> and so it's very, very rich. And it's, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, and I think it's so beautiful. And to understand what are the puck holes in the moon about? What, how, what, how do they get there? What is that about? Yeah. You know, what is the mantle of our planet? How does it function? What's the core of our planet? Why is it liquid? You know, mm-hmm. why is it solid? You know, what, what's, what's going on here? This is us trying to understand the world around us. Mm-hmm. And, and and as uh, to really have, uh, in a sense of, to have dominion over it. Mm-hmm. Dominion is, is also to understand it, how it functions. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, I mean, the vocation of medicine, and I purposely say vocation because that's what it should be, yeah. is to understand the, how the body functions so that we can help human flourishing, mm-hmm. help the human person, serve the human person. But like you said, when you have an ideological approach, you know, so you look at the science, that life begins, and we know at the moment of conception, the mm-hmm. moment life that might begins. But what do we have in so-called science today? A denial of that, yeah. all right, for an ideology. So that's yeah. go, that, that just feeds what you're, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, when does life begin? And so people want to talk about implantation. No, life begins at the moment of conception. Mm-hmm. And so that is a scientific fact, yeah. period. It can be denied in a sense people can reject it. But it doesn't change the truth. No. And so what you said is so true. And I can tell you, and uh, is that having worked in education, having seen nothing's more beautiful than watching the eyes of a child light up when they grasp something. Watching kids learn to read is the most rewarding experience Absolutely. ever. Like you just see this moment where it clicks, and you're just—it's right. so beautiful. That's right. It was yeah. one of my favorite when I worked at a school. That was like literally like my favorite part about being a teacher was just that moment that it clicked for kids right. being able to read. And and I know we're getting you know where we can't just continue, but I'm mean, telling <laughs> yeah. stories. But it, they're they're beautiful though because and I'm not going to go into too much detail. But I remember we were we were showing children in, in the school about how uh, about foam and how foam forms and you know so and you show them in a cup and it's all liquid and they're looking at you. Well, how does that? you know, become the styrofoam or how does it become this? And it got names for that. But but yeah. the idea is watching them as you pour it and you, all of a sudden this thing just begins to expand and it's like their eyes and their and their minds are going, it's yeah. all, it's wonderful. They're going, how does that happen? Yeah. So here's the chance again, why by looking at the person mm-hmm. and looking at why we engage mm-hmm. the person with formation 
education, catechesis, Mm -hmm. and all the things we've been talking about is because we want the person to do exactly what the Lord says, seek and you'll find. Well, and also just kind of like a little side thing before we wrap up for today. The beautiful thing about Catholic, Catholic classical education too is that you're enriching the spiritual side too. And you're like, we're a body and a soul and it's a holistic approach where you're forming both all at the same time. It's not like you go to school Monday through Friday and you go to CCD on Sunday and they're two separate things. You're teaching, like God comes up in your conversations. And I realized this in going to like a liberal arts Catholic college was that philosophy and theology and God and my spiritual life and my friends' spiritual lives and our personal lives and all that came up in everyday conversation. And there was just a richness to relationships and into all sorts of conversations when everybody is growing in that type of environment that you don't necessarily have when you're not like absorbing that like in class and in your life around you. So the person learns about themselves, but they Mm -hmm. learn about the other. Yeah, and so uh, what our Lord said, "Do unto others as you would have them do, do unto you." Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's just that's the environment. So it's very beautiful. I think that's a great way to to, to kind of summarize the, mm-hmm. the whole package. That because we are a body person, you know, body soul, and so the so the idea is looking at the the whole person, mm-hmm. and that is why you know from. Catholic classical education and just classical education, you know, in a sense, approaches mm-hmm. from this direction. And and that's why we want to encourage it. So uh, I know there'll be many questions that people are going to ask, and I know that people that are listening, and especially parents, mm-hmm. you know, are struggling in this regard. Drop questions in the comments if you have them, or shoot us an yeah, email. Absolutely. And, and I believe it's just important to support you know, our parents, to, to, to say that it's, oh, you, no, we. Yeah. Yes, there's a specific duty, obligation, we've talked about it, mm-hmm. but it's us. As you just said beautifully, it's about us. Mm-hmm. We're here together. We are fellow pilgrims mm-hmm. on this great journey of life and love, and, and our final destiny is eternal life, mm-hmm. and we want to all reach it and help each other to get to that. And life and, is just so much more rich when you have that absolutely. and when you're absorbed in it and when you're in a community that's also in it. That's right. And that's what and that's what I love about these, and, I, and, I'll, and maybe I'll just close with this, <laughs> is is – my experience also, especially on the college level, mm-hmm. is in these kinds of liberal art colleges and classical formation, mm-hmm. uh, is to see so many people who are called to the, the uh, vocation of marriage mm-hmm. find each other. Is because what you just said. Yeah. They have a common ground, a common understanding, a common faith. And, and I mean yeah. by common low, I mean, I mean common is something shared. Yeah. And it's attractive. And it's exciting and it's joyful and, and you, it's fulfilling. And you learn how to articulate things and understand where they fit in the context of That's other. Right. Like you become very comfortable talking about ideas, which is something that you don't necessarily learn in schools per right. se these days is like just that be able to talk about, okay, where does this philosophy lead? Where does, if you start with this idea, where is that going to lead? And be right. able to look at that big picture right. and then structure it within the historical, spiritual, theological context, like right. cultural context. Exactly. So. And I mean, here, you know, uh, at, uh, in Front Royal, you know, we had the privilege with, uh, until recently, we actually had a, a Catholic classical, uh, you know, academy here, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, until it recently moved because it outgrew our building. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, which is a blessing. Yes. Uh, it's sad not to have the kids around. I enjoyed seeing them. And, but again, to see the environment. So where there's courtesy, kindness, thoughtfulness, virtue, how do you treat others? You know, is something that was, uh, and again, we deal with human beings, mm-hmm. weak human nature. So, but the corrective, the fraternal correction that needs to happen, mm-hmm. the guidance, the modeling. Good know. peer pressure. Exactly. Basically. Like, exactly. I would have that in college. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to mass today. Do you want right. to go? And I'd be like, 
yeah, I guess I can go to Daily Mass. Like, but, why not? Right. But to hear the, the, especially the young high school students come out and do plays, you know, yeah. quote, you know, they great were excellent poet. I mean, great, great. I mean, just um, um, and to see the creativity again, yeah, allowing the human person to flourish. That was the real, the premise and the foundation of Catholic education. You know, is to assist parents in the formation of this great good. Well, thank you so much, Father. I always love conversations about philosophy, education, development of kids, all of that. It's just I'm such a nerd about it in some ways, but it's so great. We're very passionate about it, so it's a great great (laughs) blessing. Thank you, Father. And to all of our listeners, please like, follow, subscribe. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, please drop them in the comments and keep on living the culture of life. Thank you and God bless.